you're going to make a land acknowledgement statement, the way the statement is constructed is important. And there are groups and guidelines for developing them in collaboration with, guess who? Indigenous people. For one thing, it's important to find out the particular ways specific groups may prefer to be acknowledged or anything else they feel you should know about and ways that you can support them. Hello, welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. And I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. Join us. Julie, I don't know about you, but I get uncomfortable when I go somewhere in southeastern Pennsylvania and someone makes a public display of thanking the Lenape for the land that the event is taking place on. I know it's supposed to be well-intentioned, an acknowledgement, but it sounds as if our historic local indigenous people gifted the land voluntarily, not that it was violently ripped away from them. It kind of grates on me. So much of what we learned in school about slavery, witch hunts, racism, child labor, and indigenous people was taught as if it was all in the past. People still talk about it that way as if indigenous people only lived or existed in the past and, like dinosaurs, aren't around anymore. Well, for the ones that aren't around anymore, it's because of what the ancestors of people who live here today did to them. That's the truth, Cindy. And those that are still here, well, of course, they're marginalized. It's called erasure or whitewashing. Seems that once white Europeans arrived in a place or to a thing, even an idea, it's as if it didn't exist before them. And if they struggled against it, it's as if they conquered the thing righteously, of course, and now they're the heroes of it. Yeah, before any of us without indigenous heritage lived anywhere in North America, there were people who already lived here. Once Europeans showed up, the indigenous people were displaced, dispossessed, mistreated, and killed. Those that survived the torture and abuse of our nation still maintain some forms of their culture, like language, oral history, traditions, and ceremonies. All of the colonial descendants, as well as all of us, newer immigrants and settlers, have benefited and continue to benefit in so many ways from the bloody legacy of our mistreatment of indigenous people. Maybe if we think there are no longer any indigenous people around. It makes it easier to believe that everything here belongs to us. Perhaps, but we're literally living, working, and playing on land that was taken from others, and many of their descendants are still all around. Many have become educated and can fight within the system for recognition and more rights. Land acknowledgments have been a very old custom, but the current version of acknowledging the land taken from Indigenous people started actually in Australia and Canada and has become common in the United States only more recently. All three of these countries have terrible histories in their treatment of the people who were first on the land. 
So a land acknowledgement is a statement recognizing the indigenous communities who originally lived on the land where an institution or workspace sits or where an event is taking place. They're increasingly common at public events like graduations, concerts, theater, professional networking situations. Some government meetings start with land acknowledgements, too. It's become a thing. It has. But what do they mean? I've wondered that since I heard my first one. I mean, what's the point? Why do we publicly acknowledge that we're standing here on land that was stolen through terrible and deceitful means? Well, Cindy, those public acknowledgments don't usually mention how that land stopped belonging to its original owners. It feels to me like a kind of easy solution to a terribly complex problem. The response of indigenous people seems very rightly ambivalent. Land acknowledgments might be a step in the right direction. At least we're finally acknowledging the brutal history and the wrongness of it. But it seems critical that we don't stop there or the statements fall hollow and useless. That's the problem with them. Land acknowledgments do help to make or to keep us aware of our privilege to be where we are and of the indigenous people in our everyday. And for most of us, it does feel like it honors those who came before us and acknowledges colonialism, at least for a minute. Right. Like I said, it's too easy. This is a very difficult history to come to terms with and figure out a way to repair. Land acknowledgments could be much more meaningful if they're intentionally created and they're offering steps to positive action. True. I haven't yet heard a land acknowledgement in person that offers some context for what it actually means. Though I know some somewhere do that. Like, why is this acknowledgement happening? What are we supposed to do about it when we hear it? How can we help undo the dirty deeds done so long ago? Exactly. Why not take one more step and add just one or two more sentences that let people know what they can do? Maybe there's a local community to support or a specific action or legislative bill that can be named and supported. At a lot of these events or meetings, people are taking notes on laptops or have their phone readily available. Why not take a minute to give everyone a chance to take a picture of a QR code or a website that names a place where they can volunteer or donate? Maybe this isn't done readily because nobody wants to put pressure on anyone else to donate to a specific cause. But why not? Why shouldn't we all feel uncomfortable enough to make that happen? If you don't have something to give, that's one thing. But a lot of us at these events can give something of our time, money, or resources. It's an interesting idea, Cindy. People living and working in the area now called the East Bay in the San Francisco Bay Area have the voluntary opportunity to pay what's called the Shumi land tax, a voluntary annual contribution that non-Indigenous people living on the traditional territory make to support critical work and projects of the land trust there. It was actually started by non-Indigenous people and there are others like it. I thought it was a cool idea when I first heard it. There's the Manahata Fund in New York City. If you want to acknowledge the territory your university or workplace occupies, 
You can also give access to your space to local Indigenous community members and work to hire members of that community as well. If you're going to make a land acknowledgement statement, the way the statement is constructed is important. And there are groups and guidelines for developing them in collaboration with, guess who? Indigenous people. For one thing, it's important to find out the particular ways specific groups may prefer to be acknowledged or anything else they feel you should know about and ways that you can support them. Adding these things to land acknowledgements would show more respect and offer both verbal and active support for Indigenous people. The words are a good start, but they have to be followed by or coupled with real collaboration and accountability, real action. Otherwise, they seem performative rather than a meaningful and respectful act. That is the core problem with the land acknowledgements that I have heard. They sound like they're just words and there's no action attached to them. It could still be short and sweet and also be more thoughtful and intentional with, say, even a mention of a bit more about the people we're acknowledging. It doesn't take a lot of effort to learn how to pronounce their name correctly, for example. That's what Google's for. And we could all benefit from taking a look at our own accountability and doing what we can. Too many land acknowledgements are made to go along with current etiquette, and they don't really reflect honor and respect. It's not disrespect. It's just that it falls short of deeper meaning or concern for the actual people who they are, who they were, what they believe, and what they need. Most of the time, the people hearing the statement don't even know anything about the people themselves. According to the 2021 U.S. Census, about 14,000 people living in Philadelphia identify as indigenous. The original people of the area we call Philadelphia were the Lenape, who were driven out by violence and betrayal. You can learn about Philly's Indigenous Peoples' presence and how to support them on the website of Indigenous Peoples' Day Philly, Inc. at ipdphilly.org. Who would have guessed there are 14,000 Indigenous people living among us just in this area? In the entire U.S., including Native Alaskans, 9.7 million identify as Indigenous on the 2020 census. Only 13% live on reservations or other land trusts, while 87% live outside of those areas. Did you know that? I didn't. And not to know this is erasure. Yes, we all have to work to know about the people who we live with, which is why the acknowledgements are actually an important first step. They're just not enough. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge whose land we're on because that implies we owe them something. And guess what? We definitely do. Those millions of indigenous people still living in the United States have basic survival needs that we need to be able to look at and come to terms with. Many need housing, jobs, health care, and improved overall quality of life. Each of us has a responsibility to help in ways that empower them and support their sovereignty and what many groups refer to as their rematriation as opposed to their repatriation because they've had far too much of the patriarchy. Haven't we all? There are many groups of indigenous and non-indigenous people working to support and educate people about our nation's first people. Planetforward.org has an article that offers seven ways to support indigenous people. 
If you want to get specific about groups in your area, you can look up the lands you are on at native-land.ca. This interactive map will show you whose territory you occupy and give you an opportunity to find out more information about the people who were there. We can never resolve our responsibility if we don't start by facing it. Right. The damage was done long ago, but it continues in many ways today. And it's our responsibility to do our best to try to heal it, even if we can't undo it. Thanks for joining us. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Till next time. Take care.